everybody. When you hear that sound, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And as I promised you, our special holiday production features none other than our friend Craig Ashan. And I'm telling you what, the viewers have been clamoring for, for Craig Ashan. And here's the catch. We don't have any viewers. We just have listeners. What's up, buddy? I was, I was going to say, man, now, now you're into the viewing thing. And so I'm really, I'm really starting to be a little bit concerned of where this podcast is going. But, uh, I'm, man, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Getting a little bit of uh, cabin fever in Chicago. And I think we're going to get head to Kansas City for some more cabin fever. And then ah, who knows? I mean, it's just like I get excited that uh, the Bears are going to kick the Packers butt on Sunday. And Why would you get next... excited about something that's never going to happen? I'm wearing my Bears hat right here, buddy. Yeah, I see that. In, you're in, total Chicago right now. Do you? When you're in Kansas City, you wear Royals and Chiefs stuff. Like you got Cubs gear on, and you've got Bears gear on. I've got a scarf because it's cold. I got my Bears, my Cubs. I'm predicting uh, earlier, and I'll pr- keep with it that the Bears will play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> oh my God! When, when did you ever predict that? Trubisky versus Mahomes. It's going to be. What's the, Trubi- is Trubisky going to get like a, a big contract extension now or what? Know, it's, it's a typical Bears crap. They beat three crappy teams. The coach stays, the GM stays. And you're right, Trubisky will get a 10 year, $200 million contract because he's just, that's the way that uh, the McCaskies do it. We don't, we don't have those issues up in Green Bay. We don't have an owner, so, you know, we're just going to be winners, I guess, as long as we, uh, as long as we just have a one quarterback every 20 years. I was going to say, how <laughs> long has it been since you had a quarterback controversy? Well, I mean, for like three or four decades, my God, it's unbelievable. Well, I remember, you know, I, I think it was after, after Favre, you know, Maybe he got hurt and they brought in Flynn for a game and he did great. And they, they, um, he became a free agent in Seattle, signed him. Wasn't that the guy's name? Flynn? Matt Flynn. Yeah. And Seattle signed him to a gigantic bonus. And he, I don't know if he ever played because I don't think that's it. I don't think he ever started. That's for sure. But, uh, I remember that because they had, that, I don't know what year that was, but that was a year they were uh, poised to go deep in the playoffs, I think. And then Favre got hurt late in the season, and Flynn came in and oh, then wow. got himself a big con- – well, you know, they had uh, – when Favre was uh, quarterback, they had Mark Brunel was a backup quarterback, and they traded him for like a first or second round pick. I'm trying to think, they had – uh, they had a couple other guys too. I can't remember who they were, but I, they had these backups and they trade them for, you know, second round picks and they were probably drafted in the seventh round, but uh, I don't know. Well, so it's been Favre and Rogers and that's it. Yeah. For what? Two decades, at least probably more than that. Well, Favre took over in 90, I think it was 91 or nine, maybe 92. And then Rogers took over, I think, and, Oh, eight or oh nine, something like that. And then won the Super Bowl in 10 and, and he's still going on in 2020. So 
Well, but they did. They did. Uh, they did waste a number one draft pick <laughs> on on a backup quarterback uh, who, if his last name wasn't Love, and it's true, it's Love. Nobody would know who this guy is. Well, you know, I was thinking about that in the game on Sunday night with the uh, snow going and Rogers pretty much laughing and having, you know. You put snow with your receivers and, and Roger's arm, and it's like a joke. And I'm going, yeah. wasn't there controversy at the, during the draft when the Packers took a number one guy and Rogers was a little bit miffed about it and, and uh, didn't really think about it again until now? Yeah, that's true. So I took this quarterback, uh, I think, out of Utah State, if I'm not mistaken. And his name is Jordan Love. And... <laughs> It was pretty much, you know, we're, we're waiting for Rodgers to go down or ship him out or whatever. Now, now the talk today is he's the favorite over Mahomes to win the MVP this year. So love? how about that? Love no, Rodgers. <laughs> oh, Rod, that guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got he's to face the Bears again. What did he get, like 600 yards passing in uh, October when they played? Oh, my God. I mean, God. the Bears. It was like I a, think you could, you could count on one hand. You could count on one hand how many times the Bears have beaten the Packers. I think in the last thirty years. I think that's right, and you wouldn't need all your fingers. I'm not lying. I'm I, not lying. Believe me, yeah. I know they and and they hire guys to beat the Packers, and then they can't do it, and they forget about yeah. this, and uh, it's pathetic. I mean, and last game at Lambeau. It looked like the Bears rush guys thought it was too in touch because, I mean, they just took a dive. They didn't even try. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I was watching the uh, the game against Jacksonville versus the Bears, and I kept thinking, you know, this quarterback sounds familiar. Well, like almost everybody else, he played for the Bears. I mean, they've had, since the Bears have had Favre and Rodgers, I bet you the Bears have had 45 different quarterbacks. Easy. 45. Oh, yeah. I, easy. Easy. They, they'll put the stat up on uh, Sunday during the game. I guarantee it. They always the, do. The Wisconsin feed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the regional broadcast. I mean, all, most Bears fans were hoping Jacksonville would beat them you know, on last Sunday just so that everybody get fired. But, you know. God almighty, can you imagine, uh, can you imagine, I, I can't even imagine there's a single Jacksonville Jaguars fan at this oh, point. They won well, their first game of the year and they've lost 14 straight since. Well, and the Falcons are not much better. I mean, it no. may have been, the, it might have, I think it no. was the Falcons Chiefs game when, might have been the Bears game. One of the games must have been the Bears game. Trubisky throw. No, I think Mahomes throws an interception, and they run it out to the thirty with twenty seconds. They have twenty seconds left, and he th the Falcon guy throws an interception. The Bears kick a field goal. I mean, it was like the dumbest. Who could be dumber? Trubisky throwing into quadruple coverage or what? I mean, yeah, it's horrible. But anyway, um, yeah. Hey man, your Cubs are uh, your Cubs are making some serious deals here, huh? You know, I'm trying to keep this on the lighter side of baseball, 
and but it, this is light. You're get you're getting rid of extra baggage. You need to start clearing house. You know, you got a new general manager, or elevated VP, whoever, whatever Jed Hoyer's you know title is. That you, I, I'm surprised you're not like dancing in the streets in Chicago right now, like Rush Street coming down, man. <laughs> you Darvish is gone. Spoken like a true friggin' Brewers guy. I mean. <laughs> The Brewers, they just moved up from fourth to second. Man. Well, who's who's ahead of them? Well, the Cardinals always seem to do something, even though perennial champions. So you, you think the, the Cubs have moved down now? I'm not I'm not making my prediction until till we have the whole roster in place. But uh, <laughs> okay. um, it was, I don't know if it was, Brock for Brolio bad. Only time will tell. But here, they spend a gazillion dollars watching Darvish get his brain speed in. Um, he seemed to double up Burley. And by that, I mean Burley would pitch a nine inning game and multiply that times two. And Dar, I mean, throw a pitch of every four minutes. The guy was then. Yeah. Then last year. He does great. And so Theo leaves. And of course, poor Mr. Ricketts and the Cubs and Ameritrade. You know, Ameritrade's probably had a rough year since the New York Stock Exchange hits hit records every every day. NASDAQ is off the charts. The S&P has gone crazy. Ameritrade, I mean, Ricketts net worth has had to go into the triple billions. And he's unloading players because the the pandemic and the, I mean, we got guys that just finished playing in the international part of the little league world series from the Padres. I mean, one guy's 17. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh that'll be interesting to see. Cause we haven't seen the Cubs make deals like this since God. I mean, think about this. What do you think? Seven, eight years ago, something like that. I mean, if not further. Well, and again, you know, Theo's gone. Hail to the king. But not only was it a bad trade, but he didn't pull the trigger on time because the Rays got the good prospects by trading uh, Snell, yeah. whatever his name is. So yeah. he goes, they get they get the guy everybody wanted, the, the pitcher, and the Cubs get guys that can't drink for four more years. Well, no, 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 that's not totally true. You have former brewer great Zach Davies now is part of your rotation. And you know what? Zach was one of the only guys to show up for Nelly's golf tournament one year. He's a good guy. And I love the story that when he first came up, you know, he couldn't get in the clubhouse. And now, now because he looked so young and now he's arbitrate, this is free agency next year. And he might look 21 now. I mean, he's blessed with he. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Have the Cubs figured out something with Sabre metrics and pitching that they've discovered that no other team has discovered? I, I'm just curious. I think um, I think like anything else here. Here's my take on, on numbers and stuff, because, it, as you know, that that's you know, past what I, uh, past my 
pay grade is is people often like to drop for a line. Um, but but here's the thing: my opinion on whether you have scouts, a limited number of scouts, use video, crunch numbers, um, look at what state a guy grew up in and and how you know competitive baseball was in California or Texas or Florida, or whatever. You know, there's still the bottom line is there's still an opinion that needs to be made on how somebody's going to fit into your your club and your franchise. And I think you can crunch numbers only to a certain point before you have to figure out if someone's going to going to be a part of your club and have success with those you're surrounding them. You know, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, no, I mean you can't talking. just you can't just take a player and say this is what I believe his numbers are going to be. And that's it. And just make a whole numbers thing out of it. And that's it. There still has to be part of a human evaluation and how he fits in type of thing. Like I'll give you an example. I don't think pandemic or not, I didn't see the brewer clubhouse last year before the pandemic hit being nearly what it was in the previous several years. And I really believe that clubhouses in baseball are really, really, really important. And, and I, I didn't see with all these <clears throat> new guys and, and veterans that were trying to cling on to their careers and, and guys who didn't make it yet, but had potential. I don't see how all that you can fit in. And, you know, to me that that's an important cog into success and stuff. So, so I think, I think that is still, you know, the bottom line is no matter what the numbers are, or whatever, you still have to, you as a GM or VP or president of baseball operations, you still have to have your model of what your opinion is and how someone's going to fit in and be successful. Well, I think what you're talking about is exactly right. It's called chemistry. If you yeah. don't have that intangible chemistry, if you don't have that camaraderie, you you're, you're missing out against the teams that do. Um, and, and you can't make it up. You can't, cheerlead if you're really not a cheerleader and you can't you can't make that stuff up and it's usually the 25 24 23 20 the guys in the roster spots that aren't the everyday know the names of the players kind of guy and and i for i and it drives me crazy and the uh i first noticed it with the royals in 1985 when they won the World Series, the next year they start getting rid of the Pete Lecox of the world, the Jose Cardinals of the world, the Joe Zebs of the world. They get rid of these guys because they think, well, I can go get another guy just like him for a little less money. Yeah. And the Cubs did it when they won in 2016. They got rid of Dexter Fowler. Well, you say, well, Dexter Fowler went to St. Louis and he hadn't really done much since he was with the Cubs. Well, he was the guy that really, he and Hayward, but more uh, Fowler, he was the last leadoff guy, maybe the only leadoff guy the Cubs have had in 10 years. Yeah. And gone because they didn't want to pay him what he was worth, which is stupid. You know, yeah. put the team up for sale. We've talked about this a thousand times. There's a, there obviously, guys that want to put their billions with your billion and buy a team and they're all around. If you pay 4 million billion for the Mets, you're going to just sell the team so that in a, in a basement, they need a, they need a salary basement. So the Jays and the Rays and the, 
and the and the uh, A's can't keep doing what they do. I mean, how can you trade Blake Snell? I mean, how can you now? Chris Archer worked out pretty good trading him, but I, I'm just telling you, how can you trade you Darvish? And what I was getting at with the trilogy that they have now, you know. You're not going to be able to mix in a young fireballer probably because they don't have one. You start Kyle Hendricks, who may be through 90 miles an hour once last year, once. Then you bring in Alec Mills, whose protege is Kyle Hendricks, but Mills isn't quite as fast. And now Zach is slower than both of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not Stu Miller slow, slow, and slower. You better, uh, you better hope that uh, those guys are pitching with the wind blowing in every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly, it's BP. Yeah. It's BP. And it's, yeah. you know, you can get by with Hendricks, but then you bring in these other guys, it's going to be a long year. And, you know, I'm starting to wonder if maybe, uh, maybe the vaccine being delayed is a good thing. Maybe I, maybe I'll get another year's float on my, season tickets and won't have to suffer you know they're going to dump chris bryant i mean you just feel it once yeah. they did that to darvish and i'm i'm curious to know like one one of these trigger points for uh trades and that type of thing going to start happening you know here we are we're past christmas now we're going to get into the new year you know by this weekend and stuff and you know we're going to be at a point where six we're six weeks away from spring training and guys reporting and stuff. And there's been, there's been as little uh, movement uh, with players and, and uh, teams and, and whatever, so many free agents available right now at this time that I can ever, ever, ever remember. Nothing. The only team that really looked like they cared about improving. Well, two teams, the, uh, Obviously, the Padres, they just got two of the top 10 pitchers in baseball over the last yes. two years anyway. But how do the Nationals get Josh Bell? I mean, what is what is the, the GM just happen to call up the, the the Pirates and say, hey, you know what? We'll take Josh off your hands. You know, he's your only good hitter. Only you know, there hitter. there have been rumors, though, that he was he was available before even last year. And there, there had been even talk here that, you know, the Brewers haven't had a first baseman since Prince Fielder that they're potentially could, could bring Josh Bell in too. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how he ends up nationals or whatever, but that turned out to be, I mean, you know, the pirates are going to be nothing but prospects. I mean, that's what they've turned into here in the last couple of years. So, you know, is hurdle still the manager I've lost track. Did they get rid no, of No, he's not but I can't tell you who is off the top of my head. So <laughs> it's been the but, most lackluster so now, <laughs> season and lackluster off season. Yeah. Are we going to segue? Yes, it has. So are we going to get into your agenda uh, well, based on our, um, our, weren't you uh, at the production meeting, dude? Our meeting. Yeah. Lead us off. I was at, well, <laughs> I got some notes. <laughs> tell me the agenda. I made so from, from the production meeting uh, um, email that I received, we were talking about uh, your Chicago Cubs of yesteryear and today and my 
baseball franchise, Milwaukee Braves and Milwaukee Brewers, best ofs. Yes. And I, I've got like, I've got some fun, fun stuff uh, to throw out and reminisce. Do I'm ready you? because yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I do. And I've, I've researched the Braves. I've researched the Brewers. I can do the White Sox off the back. I think of my you team. should do, I think you should do like White Sox Cubs and then right. I'll, I'll, I'll do Braves Brewers. And then we can just kind of crisscross and reminisce. That's a deal. Before we uh, do that. Yes. <laughs> because if you had been at the production meeting, I went back and, you know, my favorite era is when I was young and impressionable before you were born, the 1950s, okay? Yeah. And this list I'm, I'm going to go over, the top 10 hitters in the 50, the decade of the 50s. All right. From 10th to 1st is significant to our conversation because two of them are Braves. I believe that. Milwaukee Braves. Yes. So in, in the 10th the place is not a Brave. <laughs> Yogi Berra. 10th uh-huh. hit, best hitter in the decade of the, of the uh, 50s, followed by Henry Aaron. Followed Wait, by- why, why, would Henry, why would Henry be ninth? do you think? Now, is this, is this your list? I, I didn't come up with the list. I, I pirated this from Google. <laughs> I said, okay, give me the so top hitters of the 1950s. Yes. And this is what it spit out. So do you want to debate that? Do you think, do you think no, Henry should be better? I'm just, okay. So I didn't, I didn't research that topic, but while you were meeting. researching, while, <laughs> while you were researching that topic, when you see Henry Aaron come up ninth on any list, isn't that an eye opener? Not when you see the people coming after him, buddy. All right. Go for eighth. Start with eighth. You'd only been at the meeting. Okay. Number eight. You're <laughs> going to roll your eyes at number eight. He broke the color barrier in the American League a few weeks after Jackie Robinson. You And, and I did a podcast by myself, which generally are never popular, but I, I went back and referenced your Cleveland Indian name when you said they were talking about the Dobies, Larry Doby, yeah. eight. Yes. Isn't that amazing? So they, so of the, okay, so that's an, that's an interesting number eight and an interesting <laughs> number nine. Okay. You're going to, you're going to like number seven. He played third base for the, your Milwaukee Braves. Eddie Matthews. One of the great players, Eddie Matthews. <clears throat> so I'm seeing how this is going down. They just, just to protect my man, Henry Aaron. He, he wasn't a rookie until 54, if I'm not mistaken, because they opened up. The Braves came to Milwaukee, and he did not play for the Boston Braves. True. So 1950, 51, 52, 53. So he missed out on four years of that decade. All right. Now, now I'm understanding what's going on. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love lists. They're just great. I, and yeah. I can't wait to get to your homework. Uh, number six, a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I like to segue between some of the injustices of the world. Uh, Minnie Minoso finished, oh, yeah. <laughs> finished above Henry Aaron. 
I didn't do the list. And I That's see, all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number five, Duke Snyder. Number four is kind of funny, but the, the guys in front of him will not lend to the humor that I see. Ted Williams, fourth. Interesting. Number okay. three, Willie Mays. Ooh, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, they went after it, man. They did. So you number, got you got number three and number nine on that list of pretty much arch enemies on the field. But and off the field, by the way. But and if you were gonna put together an all all an all ever lineup, both Aaron and Mays would be in the outfield. I mean, I, absolutely. And yeah. number two would probably be around first base, Stan the Man for the 50s, Stan Musial. Gotcha. And number one, the pride of Commerce, Oklahoma, Mickey. Mickey. You know? Yeah, Mickey. So there it is. Now, All right. now, there were some interesting lists of all-time Braves and Brewers. Interesting from head-scratching selections that some people thought uh, were valid and others didn't. But you want to do the Braves, or are you going to combine the Braves, the whole franchise? Because no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I really didn't do the whole franchise. I did mostly. Uh, I did right. all Milwaukee, to be honest with you. But there, there were a couple that uh, maybe crossed over to to the Atlanta side. But I, I really wasn't. I didn't pay that much attention to that because here's the thing about the Milwaukee Braves. You know, County Stadium opened in '54, and they came in from Boston. They they had they had a pretty good franchise. They just they just didn't they just weren't good and they didn't have Hank yet. Right. And and stuff. But coming to Milwaukee, you know, I'll I'll just lend this uh anecdote of what we're we went through in 2020 without fans in the stands because of the pandemic. I think fans in the stands at County Stadium, they they set attendance records. For, for many, many years at County Stadium going to see the Milwaukee Braves. And I think that had a lot to do with the success of the players on the field. So did, I they think, have, I think, did they have the secret sauce? They, they were, I think they were developing it in the, in the 60s. And it may have been called something like ketchup and mustard combined. I'm not sure. Secret Ooh. as far as I know it, but... All right, Ooh. so I'm going to throw some names out because I know you you know some of these guys because you've probably seen some of these guys where I haven't seen these guys in action. I'm old. Because you're so much older than I am. Guilty. <laughs> okay, so I went through it. This is what I did. I did I did by position Okay. the, the best players per, per franchise. So I, in the outfield, I think – from what I obviously Hank Aaron played mostly right field. So he's your best right fielder. And then I, I, I've heard Billy Bruton's name many, many times is in center field. And I think my, my uh, little keynote here is uh, in the very first home game at County stadium for the Braves, he hit a walk-off home run in the 10th inning. What a way to start a career in Milwaukee. If you're the, if you're the Braves, that's my little note. He was, and then the other, Skinny the other guy. one, what's that? He was a skinny guy. 
Okay, so speaking of skinny guys, how about Rico Cardi? Rico. And we're so, not talking about Rico copy machines. We're talking about Rico Cardi. So I didn't know he played for the Braves, but he started his career in 1963. So he played there in 63, 64, and 65. And he's widely regarded as being the best left fielder in Milwaukee and Atlanta outfield history in left field. I, I, would, I didn't know that. I couldn't, uh, couldn't argue with that, I suppose. So here's another little side note for left fielders for the Braves. Wes Covington, you recognize that name? Yeah, little left-handed So hitter. he, yep, he. Or number three. Um, let's see, Bobby Thompson shot her okay. around the world. It was a Milwaukee Brave in 1957, but was not playing well. So they traded him away and <clears throat> promoted Wes Covington. And so he started and, and had a pretty doggone good career uh, from that point on with the uh, Braves. And let's see, what's my other side note on that? Um, uh, on West? I think the Bobby Thompson trade brought in um, Red Shandens midway through 1957 from the Cardinals. Great move. Great move. Great move. For did, sure. Joe Torre, did Joe Torre come in that move? I don't know. I think Joe Torre was later. Frank, Frank was the, Brewer, the Braves' first baseman, though, on that 57 World Series championship team. How about Euchre? Uke was not on that World Series championship team. That's too bad. He came a little bit later. I break. think his World Series was, let's see, uh, Cardinals and or Phillies. I can't remember. Was that 57 and 58? It was, but they only won it in 57. And I assume, well, I they know. They played the, the Yankees, Yankees both years. Right. Yeah. And yeah. in the last year of that decade, it was only the second time in the entire decade that the Yankees had not won the pennant. And they were beaten each of the two other times by the same manager who's in the Hall of Fame. And he managed for Cleveland in 54 and then the White Sox in 59, none other than the Senor Al Lopez. A little trivia. Ah, very nice. Very nice. And that's all I got. So that's pretty much my, that's that's pretty much my Milwaukee Braves. Uh, We had, um, who played shortstop? Eddie, Eddie Matthews was at third. And then my only one I wanted to throw your way is one of my favorite stats ever in baseball. Not Dwayne. Is Hank Aaron's 755 home runs. If you took every one of those home runs off his record, he'd still have more than 3,000 hits. That's a lot. That is a cool stat. Isn't that the best? That's like, that's like my favorite all-time historic stat. 755 home runs. You take that off his stat list, and he still has more than 3,000 hits. That's a cool stat. Yeah. And from yeah. a guy that really never does a lot of stat. Chad. Well, you know, I, I got that. So um, several years ago, I did a long sit down with Hank Aaron and actually we turned it into a, a show and he was great. And and I, I got that out of that uh, talk that I had with him and also out of his 755 home runs. 
his favorite home run wasn't the one that clinched um, the one that topped Babe Ruth. It was 1957, their their uh, World Series championship year. About two weeks before the regular season, they clinched the NL pennant on a walk-off home run against the Cardinals. Sweet. And it was his home run. And he said that's that's his most memorable favorite home run of all time. How many home runs do you think he had total while he was a major league player, including postseason and spring training? I mean, who knows? I don't expect you to know or anybody, else, but I mean, he Would surely hit some home runs in the postseason. But you don't know, think about this too, Jamie. Um, and, and he had made this comment too, how difficult it was to hit home runs at County Stadium. Yeah. And it, when it was, I, I do remember that growing up, it was hard to hit home runs there. You imagine if, if guys like Hank Aaron or whoever were playing in some of these band boxes that are of current today, he, he may have hit 900 home runs. Right. I mean, he was a, he played his home games in Milwaukee for 12 to 11 or 12 years. Can you imagine that? Now, how many home runs now that they're going to integrate? And I use that term literally, figuratively, and every other way, the Negro League uh, numbers. I wonder where Josh Gibson fits in the all-time home run. Well, that, that's a really, and that's, you know, that's a really interesting point. I'd, I'd look um, it up if I didn't have my and, notes right here on the Brewers. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, the thing about it is the last time that we did a, a podcast, I think it was later that same day, um, Major League Baseball announced that the uh, Negro League numbers were going to be in uh, Major League Baseball stats now. And it, it, I mean, I don't know about you. I've seen more uh, controversy and negative remarks to that than I've seen on the positive side, just because of how numbers are going to be um, adjusted where certain guys now slot and fit in and that type of thing, which is, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to take a close look at it because we haven't seen hard numbers yet and where guys fit, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting topic. Uh, I think first and foremost, I, I can't say it's not well-deserved. I mean, these guys were, were shut out of major league baseball because of their race, which in today's now, and I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. No, no, so, no, that, you know, that we don't even need to have that discussion, but what, what discussion that you alluded to, we should have some time. And that is whether there should be the MLB records and then the Negro league records. And if you want to, it doesn't take a, nuclear physicists to intertwine those on your own, but to somehow bless them as the uh, professional baseball records of the of ever seems to me to be a knee jerk reaction to um, to I don't know what, but yeah. it, I, I don't, you know, and it, where I, the first time I started thinking about it was today when after and we haven't talked about it yet, but after Nuxie, after Phil Negro passed away, um, I started looking at the all-time win leaders in Major League Baseball, and I was, sh I don't know why, I was shocked that he was 16th on all-time wins in professional baseball, Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, and then I started thinking, where does Satchel Page fit in? 
and yeah. um you know I, I love the negro league history although i i tend to be lazy and i don't read it as much as i would like to but what i do know is a lot of those games never got there were no box scores a lot of times they didn't record uh for posterity what was what happened so i don't know how you go back and figure out for example cool papa bell or you know josh gibson or some of these guys or satchel how many games they won and did they you know does a game one against the you know high school team in palm beach count i mean they barnstormed and they didn't you know all all their league all their games that they won weren't just in the organized format of negro league baseball so i don't know maybe if if i could ever get bob kendrick to come on the show uh, he he won't even can you believe that he won't call me back the president of the Negro League Museum in Kansas City, you know, I would bring him lunch. We'd sit down and have a five-minute conversation about it because I think, you know, he owes it to me. I, I introduced him to Nelly. Well, he's he's a good guy. I've, he I've is a good done, guy. I've done. Uh, Can I've you done, call him? Uh, <laughs> Kidding. I, I may I may have to on your behalf. I don't know what I don't know what happened, but uh, I may have to call on your behalf because he would be he'd be a great guest for your show. There's no question about it. And he's, hey, it's our show, buddy. Now don't try and slough, <laughs> don't, don't go sloughing it off like that. You no. volunteered, my co-host. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just I'm always a guest. <laughs> to the right, Valley, so Valley Sports Network. I don't have anything to do with this guy. All right, so. You're, you're, uh, take us through your era now when the Milwaukee Braves played with, with famous names, positions, uh, Cubs, White Sox era, or maybe just Cubs, you, you know, but, but the thing about it is, you know, as far as the White Sox go, the Brewers didn't play them start until starting in 1970. So they have a, obviously a, maybe a greater history before then, but. Yeah, I mean the you know the Del Crandall era of Milwaukee Braves baseball. So the uh, the Cubs, you know, in the that era, it's it's pretty easy. There there are many 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 more household names in Cubs folklore than in the Braves, and I I think even you would admit that. But if you won't, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, for sure. So you've got. You know, you got the the obvious guys. You got Billy Williams in in uh, left field, and you've got Adolfo Phillips. Adolfo Phillips, there's a name uh, in center field. What what, what era is that? Adolfo was probably in the '60s. Really, I, yeah. I haven't heard of his name. He was uh, he was Adolfo. Uh, Adolfo. That, that Phillips. sounds like big and powerful. He wasn't. He was small, fleet-footed center fielder. Uh, played, you know, back before Ryan Sandberg, before Bobby Dernier in the, uh, yeah. so you had Lee Walls. Have you heard of Lee Walls? He was a guy that was, uh, no. he was big on the, uh, baseball card circuit. You had, uh, Walt Morin, Moose, Moose Morin, M-O-R-Y-N. He was big in right field, big guy. See, the Cubs suck. So you wouldn't have heard of these guys. You would have heard of Ernie Banks, 
at first. Yeah. And Ron Santo kind of, you know, Ron came along in the 60s. In the 50s, th these guys were so bad. I mean, Banks was it. I mean, Banks joined the Cubs, and, and he was the team. And he had to beg the guys to go actually play. I mean, because these guys, um, these guys were bad. Um, so you had guys like Cal Neiman, uh, you had guys you never heard of. Um, you had, uh, Don Zimmer was a big time cub in the fifties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Kenny hubs was great, but he died in a car accident after he was rookie of the year. And I think he died the next off season, uh, famous name when cubs folklore, but nobody really, um, thinks much about him. And then, the pitching staff, Mo Drabowski, Glenn Hobby, Dick Drott, uh, these guys were bad. I mean, really bad compared to, you know, we didn't even talk about Spawn and Sane and Pray for Rain or Lou Burdett, the greatest. When you're a kid, there was no better name or cooler name to say than Lou Burdett. I never knew if his last name was Det and his first name was Luber or what, but this was a, what a pitching staff. And then Del Crandall as the ace uh, catcher the cubs the cubs just god they were so bad in the 50s that um you couldn't even come up for air but then in the 60s they started to um to develop and that was kind of when the braves moved to atlanta right i mean when did that yeah. happen 65 so, after the 65 season yeah yeah so you know the the cubs had sarge matthews and they had or near and i mean but this was in the god only knows the 60s 70s 80s when uh the brewers were still out in seattle right i mean when did the brewers pluck off that hot hit <laughs> well the brewers uh, the brewers were in seattle only for one year in 1969 and then and then moved to milwaukee in 1970 that that has to be i don't know this for sure but that has to be the the fastest um fall for a for a fran for a um, you know franchise that that began out of nowhere to last for one year and then move so and and they moved they moved at the end of spring training they were still the seattle pilots during spring training and when they broke camp is when the uh is when bud sealing and his, is his group of guys in milwaukee uh acquired the team and they came up here, they had the same pilot uniforms and they took pilots off and put brewers on right before opening day. It was that fast. So can you name the manager of the Seattle pilots? Uh, I, I love putting Craig on the spot who in God's green earth would know this. No, I think it's, uh, did you ever watch F troop? No. Sergeant Schultz. It was Joe Schultz. Joe Schultz was the first brewer manager. He was the the pilot manager. Okay. He was the last. He was the only pilot manager. I don't think he came to St. Louis because I don't. I mean to uh, Milwaukee because I had a friend who was his nephew, and according to him, Joe, you know, didn't get paid. He stole all the uniforms. He, you know, the players didn't take their uniforms home like now. Or get yeah. you know, 55. So Schultz didn't get paid. He stole all the uniforms and kept them at, at his house until I think he died. And that is funny. beautiful. Isn't that funny? Way to go. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the Brewers, you know, when they came over, Bud Selig for five years, as you know, uh, tried to get baseball back in Milwaukee. You got the White Sox to play up here. There have right. been talks about maybe the White Sox actually moving to Milwaukee for, for a little stretch of time. And um, But his goal was to get an expansion team or get a team to move here. And he wanted uh, team colors to be what the, what the Braves were you know, blue and red and, and gray and stuff. And that was always his intention. And the, the move with Seattle happened so fast that they just took the pilot uniforms, ripped pilots off and put brewers on the front and did that for the first year. And they were blue and gold. So they just, they just kept it. So. Well, and I think uh, the realignment, the, the guys came in, the Royals came in and when the brewers came to life, I think the Royals came into being in that 60. 970 era 68 69 something like that was yeah it, uh... by the way i think the milwaukee braves had the coolest uniform ever in the history of baseball yeah I mean, they're oh they're my pretty God. cool there was a lot of neat stuff going on probably racist now but i mean they had just cool cool uniforms that you know, it's just the whole thing fit together, especially the gray. You know, back then it was gray. Everything right. was gray or white, depending on if you played at home or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So pick, let me hear your Brewers guys, because I'm, I'm leaning on Gantner. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. <clears throat> so now let's just start. Let's just start in the, it, at second base, just because you mentioned uh, Jim Gantner. 17 years, his whole career with the Milwaukee Brewers, 17 years, Wisconsin native. He retired in 1992, and his number is not retired, but no one's ever worn number 17 since, since he wore it in 1992. He, and he just, I don't know why, he never seemed to get the kind of pub he should have. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and he's, he's around uh, is still today for um, helping the team out uh, during batting practice and stuff. He, well, he, he played in, Nell, in the Nelly golf tournament and I never, I, yeah. I ran after Storm and Norman for 10 years to try to get him to sign a damn bat. And of course, by the time the tournament ended, you know, for the day, he was long gone. And I yeah. didn't even, I barely knew who gantner was and then all of a sudden i started reading up on this guy yeah he was a tough tough second baseman man tough second baseman what about Ricky? so he's my he's my well ricky weeks so jim gantner to me i just have to put him on top and and ricky weeks would be next for second base for me okay so um no nobody nobody i've ever witnessed in my life got hit in the face with a pitch and just Drop the bat and walk to first base like Ricky Weeks. There's a, I, I think Craig Council may have still have it in his office or who had it. I can't remember. One of the managers is a still shot of the baseball going right into the middle of Ricky Weeks' cheek. So he was right handed. So it'd go in right here and his. All of his skin was probably two inches in the direction the ball was going. A still photo shot of him getting hit in the face. I've never seen anything like it before. And he just dropped the bat and walked to first base. Trainer came out. He's like, I'm fine. Continue playing, play the next day as well. 
That's that's t- that's a tough that's, dude right there. That's a tough dude. That is a tough dude. That the ball never. I mean, uh, unless it was Phil Necro pitching. Well, well, it wasn't because, like I said, his skin was two <laughs> inches off his body. That's a graphic that. <laughs> By the way, Phil Necro started his career at the Milwaukee Braves. Speaking of the Braves, I didn't yeah. know that until he died. To be honest with you, the other day. No. Um, Did you know that? No. Nor the I didn't know that. How many wins do he and his brother have? I don't know that either. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Joe was pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So who's and, the short? Who's your okay. shortstop? <laughs> well, Diane, oh. let me think here. I have I to go Robin out there. For I, sure. I like Segura. <laughs> All right. So Yount's my shortstop, and my my next best shortstop for the Brewers would be JJ Hardy. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a gem. Good guy. Good guy all the way. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Third base, uh, I have to put Paul Molitor there with Jeff Cirillo and Don Money a close second. <laughs> Don Money. Oh, Don man. Money. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah. <laughs> as a Cub fan and a Cub loyalist, I'd have to go with Rami. <laughs> Aramis yeah. Ramirez. Well, I tell you what, man. He, he, he played here three years, Aramis Ramirez, and, and I don't think anybody expected him to do anything, to be you honest with you, but if, he if, was really productive, and he was really good in the clubhouse. Really good. That's the know, last time we had a good third baseman, in my opinion. If, if he had had that effort sustained through his career, yeah. he would have been lights out. I mean, yeah. He was a dog with the Pirates. He was sort of a dog with the Cubs. And I'm glad he got his act together because that guy hit more dramatic home runs. The guy, yeah. could, he was he was really an artful hitter. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a violent connection. It was an artistic connection. His wrists, his arms extended, his wrist. It was just fun to watch. And man, did that guy hit some, he hit some, Brewer bombs for the Cubs that he was uh, bases loaded ninth inning. Boom. Yeah. See you later. He was Bobby. a, in the way you describe his hitting a professional hitter, he knew yeah. how to put the ball in play. He it's was, hard for guys to put the ball in play right now, but he, that, it was like the easiest thing in the world to do for him. Yeah. He sort of reminded me about, of, um, oh man, I was just, I just had his name and he played, I'm just kidding. Bill, Bill Madlock. Sorry. Oh yeah. Billy yeah. Madlock. And uh, you know, I think Rami was probably more mobile than Madlock, but Madlock won a couple batting titles and, and, uh, uh, played for the Rangers and played for the pirates, the Phillips teams. But, um, no, I, I, I like Don money. Oh my God. That's, that's <laughs> he was great... pretty clutch and played for the Brewers for a long time. You and know, then, uh, the, the so... national league Brewers, and the American League Brewers, almost two separate yeah. franchises. Yeah, yeah. First base uh, to completing the infield, uh, I have to go with Cecil Cooper uh, with with Prince Fielder next. But I, I don't think I don't think Cooper and Fielder were the, nearly the same. Cooper was a tremendous fielder and a tremendous batting average, get on base drive home runs type of guy. I mean, 11 years with the team. I mean, 
to me, I know Prince Fielder is of today's era, somebody to remember, but Cecil Cooper was unbelievable at first base. Well, Richie Saxon, who could forget Richie Saxon? He's and, he, and Richie Saxon was good. And the best actor in Hollywood, George Scott. There's another good name from. So from George back. Scott, you know, he was, uh, he started with Boston, came to Milwaukee right. in the early seventies and then was traded back to the Boston Red Sox to acquire Cecil Cooper. Coop was so good. Yeah. You know, he sort of got, there's another guy that belongs in the hall of fame. Uh, for sure. So speaking of hall of famers, my catcher, my all time brewer, great catcher is Ted Simmons. Yeah. And, uh, they, they weren't, so I'll throw a couple other names out. Jonathan Lucroy uh, made, made himself a career in Milwaukee, but he didn't play here for a long time. B.J. Serhoff was very good. Uh, but Ted Simmons, to me, I want to share a quick story because I know we're running out of time because the next show's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, the next guest was at the production meeting. We're getting pressure from the network here. Uh, Hi, Pam. My favorite, my favorite Ted Simmons story is uh, 1982, his first year, his second year with the team. But they're, they're going to wrap up and, and uh, have a chance to obviously make some big things happen. They let a three-game lead slip away in the final four games of the 82 season to the Baltimore Orioles. They're on the road playing Baltimore in the decisive game to determine who the AL East champ is going to be and who's going to the playoffs. Jim Palmer versus Don Sutton. Sutton was uh, acquired at the end of August. Uh, if you remember the old days, the August 31st, the second trading deadline. Right. So I think he made six or seven starts with the Brewers and he never faced Baltimore in his career because he came over from the national league, of course, and Ted Simmons called him up Sunday morning, got him up early, said, we're going downstairs to have coffee. We need to go over things. And Sut is going, what do we need to go over? I'm, I got to get my routine going. He goes, meet me down for coffee. You better be there. They go down, meet for coffee. And Ted says, you don't know any of these Baltimore hitters, do you? He goes, I know a couple, but I've never faced anybody. He goes, he goes I've, got a, I've got a list of every single player of Baltimore, who I think is the National League version that you have faced in your career. And this is how you're going to pitch to each one of them. And sure as hell, you went out there and pitched a gem and beat Palmer. And that's why, in my opinion, another reason Ted Simmons should have been in the Hall of Fame many moons ago. He's one of the brightest thinkers ever in the game. And will be inducted this year, right? Yeah, he should have been in 20, of course, but yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, before we do the outfield, and we'll do the outfield quickly, hold up your notes because I want to see the note preparation that you went through. That is, ladies and gentlemen, if only this was a live feed, this is impressive. And this I'm is, humbled. and this is why I'm humbled. Watch. This is the brave side. I'm, I'm even conserving paper. I mean, this is all I got. I got some scribbling, but it's That's two all sides. Mine is. It's look two at, sides. Look at the size of my notebook. It's, it's smaller <laughs> it's two, than my head. Yeah, but you can read your <laughs> writing, <laughs> unlike me. Uh, that's a great Simmons story. I love Don Sutton. 
And and the only reason I love some guys is I, as you know, I'd go to card shows and I'd have them sign stuff. And there was no the the three nicest guys, and there are a lot of nice guys. Duke Snyder was unbelievable. Uh, Ripken's a good guy, but he's not in the same league as Duke Snyder and uh, Sutton and Goose Gossage. You know, they all loved Nelly. And yeah. um, anyway, Greg Vaughn or Ryan Brown, left field. Uh, it's clearly Ryan Brown. <laughs> in fact, Greg Vaughn's fourth on my list. I've got so many bats signed by this guy. I don't know where they all came from, but. Probably but Nelly. he's a willing signer, though. That's that's why you have so many. That's cool. All right. So, so then in right field, right field was interesting. I have to put Christian Yelich there because he's won, he already won an MVP and, and they've got him for eight more years or whatever. But other names, Sixto Lescano. Sixto, baby. Great name. Jeremy Burnitz, Corey yep. Hart, Rob Deere. Oh, I like Rob Deere as a kind of a. Sneak in the back yeah. door guy. You know, Burnett's was yeah. Burnett's kind of a one tool guy. And Yelich yeah. uh, is probably, yeah, he's a weird, I saw him on intentional talk, by the way, MLB network fired Rose off of intentional talk. I don't know why you probably don't. Well, oh, I didn't know that. Me. Yeah. Rose is gone. So Millar's going to have who knows who, but um, Corey Hart and Sixto. I love it. Yeah. Um, Storm and Norman in center. Storman gets center field uh, because that's who, to me, center field is in Brewer franchise history. Robin Yout obviously played there at the end of his career and won an MVP there. Mowder's so he's right, he's right behind. And, and I would put, in all honesty, this may, you may think this is a stretch, but I, I'm putting Lorenzo Cain third on my center field list. He won a gold glove there in 19, uh, in 2019 and the Brewers drafted and developed him, uh, before they traded him obviously, uh, to Kansas city, but, um, that, that dude is balls out and you, you, how can you not all three of the guys that I have in center, Thomas Young and Kane, you know, you know, all the, drafted by Milwaukee, all drafted within the franchise and developed. And you can't say that other than Ryan Braun, you can't say that uh, about really any of these other guys because they, they just didn't spend a long time here. But a lot of cool guys and a cool name for a, quote, small market team. And nobody was probably cheaper than Selig in a good part of the time he owned the Milwaukee franchise. But he had great teams. I mean... It was a, f- a fun bunch of names. So besides Ben Sheets, who's your starting pitching two starters? Well, starting pitching is interesting. I, I have two different categories. I have, I have the, um, the all-star slash hall of fame category and MVP category. And then I have guys who were drafted and developed into pitchers who had so much potential, but they couldn't stay healthy. So I'm just wow. going to whip a few out. So to me, CC Sabathia <laughs> and what he did in 2008 yeah. in, in a half a season, I mean, he has to be in your top five. Raleigh Fingers, MVP and Cy Young Award in the same season. Pete Vukovic, the only Brewer starting pitcher ever to win a Cy Young. And never tuck his shirt in. Never took the shirt in. And to me, I think the steadiest longevity, the greatest brewer pitcher was Mike Caldwell. 
yeah. outstanding lefty. Um, and then, and then in the ones that drafted and, and were constantly hurt, Teddy Higuera, Ben Sheets, Giovanni Gallardo. Um, and then you're, you've got the only no hitter in 50 some years of Brewer baseball, Juan Nieves, but it was his one shining moment. That was it. And then I think out of the bullpen and from our yesteryear category, I put Dan Plesak and he was, he was a really good brewer out of the bullpen. Man. The moose is on the loose. Yes. Dan Plesak. Well, I mean, what do you do with Hoffman? Trevor Hoffman, didn't he pitch for you guys? He did. He did. You're not he, going he'd, be on, he'd be on my list. I of, mean, I like Plesak. I never... Short list. So... The amazing thing, folks, for you that listen loyally, you have now got a great comparison. You have a seasoned professional broadcaster, a very organized, sometimes anal guy, I say that with all due respect, going through a thought process for this show. And you guys out there, you love them anyway. Now you've got a good reason to love them compared to Shoot from the hip, Uretsky. I love it. That was great. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna. I can't. I can't even remember what you split them up into. That was you, spectacular. You have, uh, you, you have, but your brain <laughs> is made to absorb and log history and trivia, where mine is not. So, well, my team, the Cubs, don't have many MVPs to put over here. Or no, that was great. That was great. Any plans for New Year's besides uh, quarantining? Because we're going to run out of time before I get to my White Sox team. That'll take two shows. The uh, well, we can we can do that on the next show. But absolutely next year. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm back to NBA. Um, so I've got uh, Bucks on New Year's night. So I'll I'll keep New Year's Eve calm. And um, let's let's like you and I and eight billion other people are hoping for. Let's say sayonara to 2020 and hope things get better here starting January 1st. Amen, brother. I mean, that is a good, good note to uh, end it on, except I got to ask you, are the, are the Bucks three and out compared to the Bulls 0 and three? No, the Bucks are one and two after three games. Oh my God. Kind of a rough start. Rough start. Well, yeah. the Bulls came within a point of Golden State who had lost like a couple of, of games because nobody in the NBA really gets going until at yeah. least Lincoln's birthday. <laughs> yeah. But I'm afraid that Reinsdorf's got a, anybody's betting on La, La Russa to bring him home a winner. <laughs> we shall see. We We're going to have a lot of talk about that before, uh, before spring training is over. Absolutely. Well, happy holidays, safe new years, great new years. And uh, let's say goodbye to 20, 20 and bring in a vaccine filled 2021 happy new year